to Bibby, has the open shot. Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Sponsored by Max Muscle Sports Nutrition. Introducing your host, Sacramento King's Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the NBC Sports California King's Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me as always, my good friend, Mr. Doug Christie. DC, what's going on, man? Uh, you got it, man. How are you today, my friend? I'm good. I've got a painter over. We're we're progressing well with the home expansion. <laughs> uh, it's almost like a car cast. I'll walk you through. So we had stucco yeah. put on the first coat of stucco earlier earlier in the week, Doug, and we're halfway done with sheetrock, but we had to get a hearse test, so that slowed everything down. Yeah. No. Uh, things are going good, man. Um, crazy, crazy night in Sacramento on Thursday night, and we're gonna focus a lot of this week's podcast on sort of our impressions of what happened and uh, the, you know, the buildup to DeMarcus Cousins' return to Sacramento. Doug, I, I guess I'll just start there. Where, what are your first impressions of how he handled this week, how, you know, he handled the game last night, and how he just absolutely dominated the Kings in such a crazy fashion? I mean, I, I guess you would say, would you ex- expect anything less? I mean, you know, we've seen in here in Sacramento so many times that this is what Cuz does on a pretty much night-to-night basis. I will say last night he was on his best behavior, though, uh, meaning no technical fouls. The Kings weren't able to kind of get him ruffled or whatever. He did say that at the beginning of the game he was highly nervous, and that that is – to, to be expected. So from that standpoint, I thought he was open. Uh, he came out, he, he shot 17 balls in the first half alone, and then only shot eight balls in the second half, but highly proficient. Uh, and you, you got to give him credit, man. Uh, he, he came in and did not so much, in my opinion, him, what Cuz did, what the Kings didn't do, and also the inability or the ability to allow other players, uh, specifically Jameer Nelson, uh, yeah. Drew Holiday, and Etwan Moore, you have to pick or choose your poison. You have to let Coz, I mean, Cuz go for a number like that and hold everyone else down, or you got to allow the others. Uh, you know, to to do their thing and hold Cuz down. And unfortunately, the Kings kind of let both happen last night. Yeah, I think they started out well letting Cousins do the damage, but, you know, jumping out to a big lead. They led by as many as 19 points in the first half. The ball movement to me was absolutely incredible in that first half. The Kings, you know, shooting the ball all over the court, you know, just pass, pass, pass. They had 19 assists uh, before the intermission, and I thought that was spectacular. And then, you know, the adjustments were made. The Pelicans, I'll say this, they made a very, very good adjustment going into the second half. Cousins didn't shoot as many balls in the second half, but he picked up a ton of fouls, uh, you know, as far as on the Kings and went to the line a bunch in the second half. So he still had plenty of opportunity, um, but I just thought he was tremendous. I mean, I, I think the stat was 41 points, 23 rebounds, six assists. 
It's the first time since Chris Webber in 2001 that anyone in the NBA has had a 40, 20, and 5 game, which, again, very impressive all around. That's his first time he had 40 points and 20 rebounds in a game. He had 39 a couple of times uh, with big rebounding numbers, but never gone for uh, the 40, 20 mark. He's played like a like a man possessed early in this season. They aren't really winning the way that you would expect them to on a nightly basis. But again, that's a flawed roster when you talk about Jameer Nelson playing huge minutes. I mean, Jameer Nelson played well over over 30 minutes in that game. And you look at some of the other players that are running out there, Doug. That's just not a very good team. Even if you add Anthony Davis, they just don't have the shooters that you need to support the player that Cousins is and the, the player that Anthony Davis is. Yeah, they weren't able to draw that type of talent there, but Jameer Nelson adds a piece to them that they were hoping to have in Rajon Rondo, who is out right now, meaning that you allow Drew Holiday to go to the to the big guard position, and he did that last night in spades with 20 points, but Jameer Nelson comes in, and not only does he control the tempo, knock down shots, but he's a heady veteran, so uh, they, they, he, I will say, and Jameer Nelson was probably one of the biggest pieces that they could pick up because they got some defense in Tony Allen. They got a smart player in Ian Clark who can knock down shots. So they have a couple pieces. Uh, I think Jameer Nelson adds an extreme amount of, of depth to that roster. You mentioned, uh, Ham, about the Kings' assist, and I thought that uh, I agree with you. In the first half, they were out. They were running 19 assists. In the second half, you ended up with six. And that's just, you know, it's kind of the tale of two halves, both uh, both quarters in the second half, sub 20 point quarters after having a 40 and a 30 in the first half. And those are the things that you're going to get. And we've talked about this many times with a young team understanding how to come out and what have you turned more into ISO basketball and standing and watching as opposed to the fluid movement of bodies and ball. Yeah, the fluid movement, I mean, I think what we're seeing out of some of these young players, to me, is just remarkable. I know uh, when when De'Aaron Fox came in the game on, on Thursday night, he instantly picked up three assists. It, he had three assists in, like, the first minute he was in the game. And, of course, guys are hitting shots. But the fact is, uh, something I've noticed from him from day one, he really does throw a nice pass. And I know that there's some value you know some people don't understand the value of a good pass uh you had marco bellinelli here in sacramento complaining non-stop behind the scenes that he couldn't get a good pass and so i mean you have to understand that when you you catch and shoot in rhythm and the ball's perfect right at your chest or it's in it it's right to your hands where you can rise up and shoot it just makes the game a lot easier and so that's one thing De'Aaron is really showing me that he has a really high ability basketball IQ and ability to hit a a correct pass but I'll also say that Bogdan comes in and he he's probably the team's best passer it's really really impressive what we've seen so far from him as well this team just doesn't have enough playmakers quite yet guys are developing but they aren't quite there yet as far as playmaking ability and so you have these games where 19 assists in the first half and six in the second half but it's also the Kings need to make better adjustments on the fly as far as players on the court. They have to read what the opponent's doing and start making some some better plays for them, their teammates, for themselves, and not just get... I, I felt like the, the third quarter, I felt hero ball, and that's the last thing mm-hmm. I want to see from this team. 
Yeah, you, you're going to have to. Coach Yeager mentioned the fact of uh, walking in the in the second half, and, and the pace was too slow. But 21 deflections in the first half, Ham, and only four in the second half. That is just uh, a lack of spirited defense and getting after it and, and going. When you got a team like that, a young team needs to learn how to put your foot on their neck and, and just go for the throat and try to put them away. This was a team that whether it was you heard uh, Alvin Gentry in the timeout or you heard DeMarcus Cousins after the game talking about the fact that, hey, once we got close, we knew that we had them. The coach was saying, Alvin Gentry was saying, look, guys, just stay in there. If we can get it close, we can get this game. Trust me. Those are the things that the Kings, it, it's a it's a process. And I know it's going to be tough for Kings fans to hear that, especially the fact when you watch a, you know, a guy like DeMarcus come back and have such a great game. But you mentioned two players that I think the the culture, the style of Kings basketball is really predicated around, and that's De'Aaron Fox and Bogdan Bogdanovich. They both play a, a style of basketball, the pushing of the tempo, the passing of the ball, the cutting, the, the crisp cutting with intention and purpose. Those are the things that ultimately you got to get five guys out on the court, not doesn't care who they are and whatever, if you go deep into your bench, but everyone who comes in, Ham, plays that way. Yeah, you know what? Doug, I, I noticed watching Bogdan in his in his initial game, he went to run off a screen, and the guy was right on him. And then he wrapped around the inside of the screen and back out and was juking inside and outside of the two bigs to free himself. Just his his basketball IQ is off the charts. And I wrote earlier in the week on... This is the future. These two are the future of the Sacramento Kings. You can see it right now. And I know I had people ask me on Twitter last night, hey, how come Buddy Hill got shelved and and didn't play major minutes in in the fourth quarter? And I I think the answer is that this team is really, really deep at the one, the two, and then they've been playing three-guard sets nonstop with Garrett Temple playing the three. I really like Fox, Bogdan, and, and Temple together, but I also like... George Hill and uh, and De'Aaron Fox together. And, and, you know, there's all of these different lineups that Jaeger hasn't even touched on. We haven't even really got to see very much of George Hill and Bogdan playing together. How does that work? Because as far as I can mm-hmm. tell right now, George Hill is really having a difficult time creating for himself. And it's because he's on the court with, you know, four guys who aren't natural playmakers. And so, you know, he's got a rookie, he's got a second-year guy, but then he's got mm-hmm. two guys in, in the bigs that aren't natural playmakers. And so he's going hungry a lot of the time. And he's really off to a slow start with the Kings. You know, when you mentioned Buddy Heald, it, it's interesting, uh, Ham. The, the way you put players together, like I would be interested to see uh, Buddy in, in Temple's position when it's Fox and Bogdan because they would create wide open shots for a guy who is really a spot up shooter and can absolutely knock down shots as opposed to Mm -hmm. him trying like you said to be a a playmaker with a George Hill and what have you you and that's the mix is you got to know that when you have a Zach Randolph he's not going to play make so that means that you're going to have to get him the ball you're going to have to bring it down you're going to have to get it to him and that a lot of times is what George Hill is doing but then sometimes you'll see George try to get downhill and make some things happen so the mix is 
it's tough. I I totally understand it, but that is, that's why coach gets paid the big bucks, Ham. That's why. That's right. That's right. All right, Doug, I'm going to ask you a a random question. Uh, Who do you think leads the Kings in three-point attempts per game? Uh, Leads the Kings in three-point attempts. Uh, Just off the cusp, I would probably say uh, I want to say Buddy Heald, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Uh, actually, that's too obvious. I'm gonna say uh, Garrett Temple. Garrett Temple, five point two three pointers per game this season. <laughs> it's, it's right. I, that's right. It's early, but he's shooting forty two point three percent from three. Now, I saw a couple of threes last night that I didn't like. That I thought he shot uh, as he was pivoting off, uh, you know, out on the wing, and he was coming off a cut. And I don't think he had his feet, his legs underneath him in order to hit the shot. But man, it's night and day what we're seeing from him. And you're right, the creation, he's the the uh, benefactory of of the Fox-Bogdanovich tandem. He's the guy who's getting the wide open looks. And for that matter, Scalabissier has done a better job of of passing the ball early this season as well. Um, I, I just... I want to see more. I want to see more of this this uh, three-guard set. I I think it's really, really productive. Um, It's not going to be long before we see De'Aaron Fox over. He's already at 26.8 minutes per game. Bogdan is at 25.5. Temple's at 24.6. So I will continue to tell people, if you're wondering why Buddy Hield isn't playing, it's because all three of those guys can play his position, and all three of them are more versatile. And when you're shooting 25% to start the season and your shots aren't, aren't falling and you're not a guy who gets to the free throw line and you're not a guy who's known for his defense and in all honesty, you're not a guy who creates for others, um, you got to look at every window, right? jaeger has got to do what's best for the entire team, not just for one guy. No doubt. And that is the... That is the gumbo that is the Kings right now, and you have to find, you have to figure that out. There, there are so many. That's why I say, like when you talk about George Hill and Garrett Temple, they would be an interesting and good mix because they're veterans, and veterans know how to play together as veterans. That's why mm-hmm. Buddy may be in that group with the the younger players who are creating for each other. It, it might benefit him even more. You know, him. You you mentioned Scal, and I went and rewatched the game again, and it, it's not only scout um, but one of the plays that I saw was him and, and on the weak side defense I'm seeing that the Kings are uh, a, a little bit late and I'm watching like they're they're turning their head and when I what I mean by turning their head is you're looking at the ball then you're looking back at your guy and then you're looking at the ball and you're looking back at your guy and the problem with that that I that I see in in this particular play wasn't scout I want to say I think it was Willie is when that happens a real good player times your head movement. And when your head shifts back to the ball, they cut. And when you look back, they're not standing there again, or they relocate it or whatever that puts the defense a click behind. Whereas they have to learn how to get low enough so that they create what I what would be an obtuse triangle where they're looking right in the middle, but their peripheral allows them to see both of them. So they don't have to turn their head and, and look both ways. But these are little things again, that a young team is, is I'm sure coach Yeager is working on this type of stuff, but to, to take it from practice and put it in the game, as you well know, Ham is highly, highly difficult. Yeah. It was the one play I specifically remember was uh, Scal getting beat by Tony Allen on a back cut for a wide open layup. 
And, yes. you know, it's it's a maturation process. It's something that he's going to have to learn. And I know when you really look at the game last night and, and Scal plays 15 minutes of action, that doesn't cut it for me. I mean, he goes 11 points, 4 of 6 from the field. Uh, he's got three rebounds. You know, he's doing everything that you're asking him to do uh, except for those little things that you point out. And when you go out there and they're going to run – Tony Allen against you, and you got a six foot eleven guy trying to guard Tony Allen. That I, for my money, I just want them to feed Scal every time and let him shoot over the top of Tony Allen. Don't put the ball on the floor against Tony Allen. Uh, you know, KYP, you know your personnel. Don't put the ball on yeah. the floor because Tony Allen's going to reach in and just grab the ball from you and throw you down and run the other way. Um, but just catch and shoot go right over the top of them again and again and again and then make them make an adjustment make them pull in Cunningham to come and guard you or someone else and so that's something that as this team grows I think we're going to see a little bit more of man Scal is averaging almost 20 points and uh, I think it's close to it's either nine or close to 10 rebounds per game if you look at his per 36 numbers and I I want to mm-hmm. see more just like I want to see more of Bogdan and I want to see more of De'Aaron um, I also want to see more of of Scal. I think this young core really does have a lot of talent, and I, people are noticing that very quickly. That wow, this group does have a lot of talent. Um, but when you have all of these other players that you need to get minutes for, um, again, Jaeger talked about it in preseason. He kept saying it. I have so many masters to feed, you know, and so many people with their handout that that he's got to make adjustments for. It's difficult. This is a deep team. Is it deep with NBA, you know, regulars for the next 10 years? We don't know. But it's a deep team that really does have to make some adjustments here. Yeah, and when you look at go half to half, those are the adjustments that you got to make on the fly. And I think that la- the last two games, that was uh, Phoenix and it was Denver, those uh, the lethargic start w- was at the start. And unfortunately, last night it was at the finish. Now you got to figure out how do you take the second half of those Denver and Phoenix games and the first half of last night and how do you pair those together to get that ultimate consistent effort, whether it's the, the defending and, and uh, you know, contesting shots and getting deflections and those type of things. Uh, how do you put those together? Yeah, I think last night I saw a little bit of a uh, young player thinking we got this game. That's what I thought I saw. Um, I, I, you know, again, Cousins did talk about it in the locker room afterwards. And that scene was nuts, man. I, just so you know, they... First of all, the the Pelicans, they made the decision to shut down their locker room in pregame, which I don't think is Mm. even legal in NBA rules. I I think that that's actually a finable offense. I'm not sure, but that's... Uh, Don't be a powder ham. I'm just saying that you can't can't close your locker room to media in pregame. That's not the way it usually works. Yeah. But when they... After the game, I went over, I stood in line and waited for the Pelicans to open the locker room. They don't open it. So I said, you know what? Uh, we had a camera there. I'm like, I'm going to run over to the King's side and see what I can get. I go over. Mm-hmm. I went through all the King's locker room. I came back and still sat there. I, it was like I was waiting in line for a ride at Disneyland. We all just waited and waited and waited once again once we got back in the you gotta room. Get that, you got to get that front of the line pass, yeah. Well, yeah, but Doug, I, 
you know, I, I've got my ways. I mean, if you, you look, I was right next to DeMarcus <laughs> the whole time. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I, I, I'm the guy who knows how to get to the front of the, the, the concert. Yeah. I could have high five. I, I saw you. That's right. I could have high five Steven Tyler one time, you know, at an Aerosmith concert. I know how to get to the front, Doug. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Good but stuff. I, I, Cousins comes in and he looks, he's like, one well, the world, there's like, 80 people in that locker room and it was already uh, at least 90 95 degrees in there and it just kept getting hotter and hotter with the lights on and you know the cameras uh, getting ready it was nuts and I, I i'll give demarcus props he came in I, i'm gonna actually i'm gonna say this for the whole entire night i thought he kept his composure better than i've seen him ever do ever in yeah. king's jersey I thought the moment wasn't too big for him, which I was really concerned for him that the moment would be too big for him, that he would get in early foul trouble and find himself on the bench. I figured that there was only two options in that game. Either DeMarcus was going to go like what he did, you know, drop 50 or drop something close to it and have some magical night and destroy the Kings. Or on the flip side, he was going to get in foul trouble early, might pick up tech, something might go wrong, and it would have just got in his head. He would have forced a bunch of stuff, a lot like what we saw from Isaiah Thomas. How tough is that to go back to a team and play against a team when after you've left, Doug? Because you've done this, and I mean, it's got to be emotional. It's got to be you're all over the board, and it doesn't even matter if you were there six months or you were there you know, five years. It's that what could have been, what should have been type of stuff. You know, it, it's really tough from a lot of different standpoints, uh, Ham, meaning that, you know, there's an emotional aspect to it. Like, I, I never had the opportunity to come back and play for the King, play in front of the Kings fans, oddly enough, which would have been highly emotional because there was such a, such a love and passion for, uh, for the Kings from myself. Uh, but when you do that, you, you want to beat them. You want to show them what they missed, all those different things. And I thought that that's what Cuz kind of did in the first half is shooting, you know, 15 balls or whatever, 17 balls or whatever he did in the second half, he calmed down and he allowed his teammates to use him. He got, he, you know, he put the ball on the floor, got the Kings in foul trouble. And, and I, you know, really felt, to be honest with you, that just like if if you're right-handed and you don't go left-handed really well, what what am I going to do to you, Ham? I I you're going to take away the my dominant hand. Right, that's exactly right. So if a guy is is known to be a hothead, what am I going to do to him? I'm going to try to get under his skin, and yeah, I, you're going to really climb in there good. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And and I and I really think that the Kings didn't t take advantage of that. I mean, there's no love lost, and it doesn't mean I love you any less or anything. I would do that to my best friend. I would do that to my brother. I would. I mean, if I was playing against my mom, I would do that. It, it doesn't matter because ultimately you're trying to win. So from that standpoint, that's part of playing the game. And I, you know, he he. I give Demarcus full credit. I thought he didn't get any technicals. He kept his head. There were times when he got fouled. He he got back on defense. You you got to give him credit. That's what. Ultimately, when he was playing good here in Sacramento, that's what Kings fans saw because the, the talent, let, let's just be frank, the talent is absolutely undeniable. Rarely, I, I don't know that we've seen, I call him a combination of Lottie Divac and Chris Weber. The, the power, the strength, the athleticism, the smarts, the agility, the size, the touch, the big hands, the soft hands, the ability to bang while you're still moving. 
and, and controlling the ball softly is uh, it, it's a package that we haven't seen. But here in Sacramento, he, the, the mind part of it, he couldn't keep together. And we're watching a young man. I wouldn't say young man because he's in his mid-20s now. But I think that he's grown. And part of that growing process was getting traded, I think. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think he needed the trade. And I, I don't think... I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on a limb here. I don't think he's gonna be in in New Orleans long term. Uh, I mm-hmm. think, but this is gonna help him get right and show people what he can do. I mean, his statistics right now are just off the charts. But I think everyone with him is always gonna look and say, okay, stats are one thing, but can you win? And he's gonna yep. need to show that he can win, and that other people, other big time stars, want to play with him because I think that's where we're kind of heading. He might go somewhere and be part of the super team. I wish nothing but the best for him. I had a moment with him before the game uh, where he was stretching uh, right outside the locker right before they came out on the floor. And, you know, I I got a big smile and a big hug from him. Um, You know, you cover a guy for that long. You have a relationship uh, with somebody. It is what it is. I mean, there are plenty of times where DeMarcus was very angry with me with something that I wrote. uh, And, you know, we, we worked it out or we didn't work it out or he shut me out for you know, two weeks, uh, and, and then we had to, you know, sort of start a relationship again. Um, but overall, I think he's got a good heart. I just think he, you know, he has some some inabilities to control his his emotions, and I think we all know people like that. Uh, they just aren't usually put in such a, a gigantic stage and under the magnifying glass and the hot lights of media and at a really young age, all of that stuff, you know, 19 years old, you're in the NBA. Um, but even before that, you're at Kentucky where everyone's watching and, and waiting to see you screw up. And DeMarcus has screwed up plenty. Uh, but, you know, I, I was I was happy for him. I thought he had a, a good night. The night that really, if you're going to storybook for him, it was the night that he needed to kind of move on and get past it. I thought he was very gracious to the fans. I thought he even... Uh, he laughed and, and said how much he enjoyed hearing booze every time that he missed that he took a shot, um, just because it 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 gave him that understanding of what other players had been through when they come through Sacramento, and just how much mm-hmm. he appreciated this uh, the fan base in its whole and its entirety and everything that they do because it's not just cheering for you when you're winning, uh, because he didn't win a lot here. It's, you know, cheering yeah. for you when you're winning, booing when you're not playing well, booing a teammate, yelling at Spencer Hawes. It's it's all of those things that really make Sacramento a special fan base. It, it is. Uh, you know, Ham, I've had the, the, the honor to play in the NBA and go to many fan bases. I was traded a few times, and I, I never experienced one like Sacramento. And that's why, man, it's, it, I try to always reciprocate because of what they give you on a night-to-night basis and how they bring it and the, and the passion that they have. And uh, it, it's, it's awesome to see, and it's awesome to see them – uh, be able to cheer for a young team and watch them grow together because ultimately I, they, they have something going. It's going to take time, yeah, and it's going to be tough and you're going to go through ups and downs, but no other fan base deserves a quality, uh, you know, uh, on the floor than the Sacramento Kings. That's right, and they're showing glimpses. They're showing us little bits here and there that they are going to be that team, and that's something that I think everyone should be really happy to look forward to. Uh, you have some building blocks. Uh, you can. It's five games into the season, 
But I got to be honest, you can already see that there are rotational players all over this team. Whether they can be all-stars is going to be up to them and how far they can push Mm -hmm. themselves to be better. But this team has some a ton of talent, Doug. It absolutely does. And, and, and the talent really speaks to today's basketball, meaning that a lot of the times, if you look uh, on the floor last night, you had Cuz out there with four smalls. And that is kind of where the game is going. And right now, of all times, the, King ha- the Kings have a plethora, which for a while there when Ben McLemore was starting and nothing against Ben, he was more starting because we didn't have those players. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you have an absolute, just a, a stockhouse of them. And it looks like that the, there are some that can absolutely go out and get it done. And it, it's an exciting time. That's right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Kings Insider Podcast. We will be back next week. Um, Make sure to tune in. We've got pre and post game on Sunday. It's a matinee game, Doug, 3 o'clock. Make sure that you get there early and don't forget it's 3 o'clock. John John Wall and the Washington Wizards are rolling through Sacramento. Should be another entertaining game. That's a young, fast team. We'll get to see De'Aaron Fox match up against the player that some people say is the fastest player in the league. Uh, Those people have not seen De'Aaron Fox play. So uh, he is, I believe he is faster than John Wall, but we're going to get to see it. Uh, And that's going to be a good watch, a good, a good, a good game on Sunday. So Doug, we'll do this again next week. Um, thanks for for joining me and that's going to do it for this edition of the NBC Sports Kings Insider Podcast 